Hello, and welcome to the And If Not podcast. My name is Annie Brown. I'm a 17-year-old teen who's passionate to share to the world about Jesus, specifically to teens, but anyone is welcome to listen. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and how these two verses helped me through a hard time in my life, and how when you read through this these two verses, how you can just glorify God in every decision that you make. So I'm hoping that whoever's listening to this Um, can just meditate on these words and hear what I have to say about these words and that it can just help them in a hard decision in their life. So, yeah, not gonna lie, I already recorded this episode, but the microphone was being wonky and didn't work out, so it's okay. It's okay. I have to keep telling myself that it's okay. Um, (laughs) So, we're gonna get to it. A little backstory on how I wanted to create this episode is I remember Sylvia, my older sister Sylvia, talking about this passage when she was going through a hard time with her breakup um, or just hard decisions that she has to make in her life. She would go to these two verses and would meditate on the words and just see what God was trying to speak into her life and what these were supposed to mean in the context of her life. And so... That is what I tried to do as a devotional one morning, and I say it it works pretty well. And so I recommend to not only listen to what I have to say about this verse, these two verses, but to do your own little devotional on them because it's one thing to hear what I have to say about it, but it's another thing to take it and put it into context of your life and what you know and I'm not that credible, so I would just recommend, these are just the words that I I put together, what makes most sense to me, and so, yeah, the verse, the whole two verses I'm talking about, like I said, is Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So what I did is when Paul was saying whatever is blank, I took that word and I wrote it down and I wrote the definition of it, the biblical definition mixed with like an actual Google definition. But... Um, I then wrote some notes about what that meant to me. Some words um, were kind of just self-explanatory to me, but other words really, what's the way to say it? They really spoke out? No, 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 no. What's stood out, stood out. Holy crap. Why could I not think of that? They really stood out to me and certain things they were saying. And so let's get into it. The first word is whatever is true. And I wrote down in accordance with fact or reality and being in accordance with actual state of things. So that's just the actual definition of it. But some notes I wrote down is just some other words, synonyms, whoa, (laughs) synonyms of the word true and replacing those. Because sometimes, although true is a very very basic word, um, it's it's nice, it's easier to just put in different words to get a different feel for it. So I wrote down genuine, real, faithful, exact, rightful, free from falsehood, which stuck out to me the most in that whole bunch. But something I've learned when going through this devotional 
is all these words that Paul talks about saying whatever is blank really all have the theme of free. So when making a decision in your life, you have to look at it and say, does it free you from your sin? Does it free you from temptation? Does it free you and put you next to God? And we'll get into that more with other words and other definitions I have. But I feel like that is, I don't know, it's kind of cool just to read through and it having a theme. (laughs) I don't know. So the next one is whatever is noble. And this one is one of the words that I could not, for the life of me, give you a definition of. It's something I've heard in English books, in English papers, in plays I've done, but I could never give you the definition of. So to actually find the definition and to put it into context of this passage kind of proves my point of doing devotionals like this where either finding words that don't make sense to you or just taking each word and giving a definition for it to give it more context for your life and just more meaning behind it because it's one thing just to know noble but it's another to know the actual definition behind it so i found it to say wish to be righteous before god and another thing i wrote down is moral eminence which i had no idea what that meant so the definition of moral eminence is elevated condition or placed above men so to take these things into consideration i see something noble is wanting to be righteous before god obviously that's what the first definition said But the more I thought about it, the more it was, I don't want to be God. I don't want to be put above him, but I just want to be put next to him and be his best friend. So it's like, I want to reach out to him, hold on to him. I I want to need him, but obviously I don't want to be him, but I want to be noble in front of him. I want to be free from anything petty, mean, or dubious in my character, my conduct, and I just want to trust in him and be righteous before him so that can kind of lead into the next word of whatever is right and the definition i wrote down for that is like straight morals fit true lawful and i took a step further and because it didn't give me a big definition of what whatever is right um in this context i kind of combined noble and right with the phrase, the right hand of God. So when I think of right in a biblical context, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, the right hand of God. And I even mentioned it in my first podcast episode over Isaiah 41, 13, where it says, for I will hold your right hand. And although I know what it means, I also didn't know what it means. (laughs) That's, That's not English. I didn't know what it meant. And I want to put it more into context and to really dig into what it means and what God's trying to say when he says he's going to hold our right hand or just just in general what this should mean. So I found the definition of the right hand of God to be identified as being in a special place of honor. So to take that along with noble, if I'm trying to be righteous before God and be rightful, any decision I make should be aimed to please God. I should, anything I decide should like go through a filter of saying, would this please God? Would this glorify him? Would this 
put me at the right hand of God and not saying that certain things will or will not put you at the right hand of God because either way, God still loves you no matter what you do. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. He loves you because he loves you. But I think this is something to think about is the right hand of God is like a blessing. It's power. It's strength. It lifts you to heaven and it just brings that like peace of I'm next to God. I can trust in him and I can rely on him um, when I glorify him. And it's not only if you glorify him, you can trust in him because you can trust him no matter what. But I think in any decision we make, it should just be aimed to please God, to be righteous before him and to be it should just free you from any temptation in your life. And that's really hard for me to describe because I think I know what I mean, but I think those two can go together in just figuring out how can I be righteous before God? How can I be noble before God? How can I aim to please God? So the next one is whatever is pure. And the big thing I took away from this is free. And this one, I think, really holds the true meaning of free and how can we be free from sin, temptation, um, evil things in our life. And even though I mentioned it before about how all of these had the common theme of free, I believe pure really holds that theme higher than most. And so when I think of something that is pure, I think of something that is white, something that is very clean. I honestly think of bleach. And then something that's not pure, I think of mud. (laughs) I think of some, like mud is just gross, grimy, slimy, dirty. It's a gross color. Like it's just not fun. I mean, it's fun, but it's not fun if you want to be clean. And so when I try to make any decision I make to be pure, That's me trying to be free from sin, temptation, things that make me gross and dirty. And this kind of connects to when we're trying to be Christ-like. Like like a side note, the definition of Christian is Christ-like. I want to be Christ-like. So if I, in my life, am trying to be Christ-like, make every decision I make to glorify God, to be Christ-like, I'm going to want it to be pure. I'm going to want it to be clean and bleached, if you will. Um, So, when making a decision, I don't want that temptation. I don't want those dirty imperfections in. Of course, they will slip in, but that's, that's just human nature. But when making a decision, we have to push away those grimy and dirty, muddy thoughts or muddy temptations or money, muddy, (laughs) muddy considerations. And to just get rid of them and to try and stay pure in our thoughts and our decisions because we are spiritually pure when saved through Jesus and God sees no imperfections. So to keep that in mind, we want to be like Jesus and to be like Jesus, um, there we should be pure and there will be fault, there will be mistakes, but there is grace. So every decision we make should be thought to be pure. So the next one is whatever is lovely. And the definition I got for this one is having qualities that inspire love. And this is another one of those words that I use it frequently, but yet could not give you the definition of lovely. And 
because I've tried to make this episode for so long and tried to talk through what I mean by what is lovely and to make decisions that are lovely, um, it's just not coming out the way I want it to. And I think I will just say what I wrote down. Um, and I recommend for you guys to do your own little devotional to try and figure out what this means to you because I know what it means to me. I think I need to work through it more, but I just can't put it into words. And so what I just wrote down is morally and spiritually attractive. I also wrote down beautiful and I wrote down the question, does it harm God's creation? Yes, then it's not lovely. And I think what I'm going to try and sum up, not sure if it'll come out correctly, but when going through a decision, we have to think, does it, is it beautiful? Um, does it harm God's creation? And does it glorify his creation? And if it doesn't, then no, we should not do that certain thing. And the biggest thing that comes, the two biggest things that come to my mind is like when we look at ourselves and make a decision about ourselves, we are part of God's creation. And if it harms God's creation, if it harms you in any way, then no, it should not, definitely should not be a decision you make. Um, and another thing that comes to my mind that's kind of silly is recycling. <laughs> like God's creation is this earth. And if we choose if we are in the decision between do I recycle do I not is it going to harm God's creation then I shouldn't do it so I don't know I gotta take that into consideration because honestly we don't recycle <laughs> putting that out in the open and that technically harms God's creation in some way so why don't we decide to recycle why don't we do that and why do I still sometimes like, still look at myself in the mirror and think, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not good enough. That's harming God's creation. That's harming me. So, to think through those things when going through a decision, whether it's silly or whether it's life-changing, I think this one's the most impactful because it's the most, to me, it's the most um, beneficial, or what's the word? It's the most prevalent in life and it's the one that we can see right away we can see damages to it right away and I just love the word lovely and to think if it does harm cre God's creation we should immediately say no absolutely not but yet we don't do that we still sit back and let people not recycle aka me and my family we still look in the mirror and think wow I'm ugly or wow she's prettier than me and that's not okay. And that wasn't supposed to go into a big preacher moment, but it kind of did. So I apologize. But it's kind of hitting me differently now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> so anyways, I'm going to move on. And the last word is whatever is admirable. And the definition I had for this one is deserving the highest esteem. And honestly, I don't have much to talk about this one because to me it was kind of self-explanatory and I didn't find much that I liked about the word that really helped me um, dig deeper into this passage and to the context of, to apply it to the context of my life. But 
I also wrote down worthy of admiration and like pure when I said that's kind of the the big word for free um, even though all these carry the theme of free um, I believe admiration or ad- admirable um, really holds the theme of glor- glory so does it glorify God is it admirable and if it is then it should be a decision you make of course, considering the other words and if they glorify God as well. But this one, um, if it's if you're able to admire it and if it's worthy of your admiration and not yours, but God's and his will, if it's worthy of, if it's, hmm, uh, what's the way, how do I want to say this? If it's worthy of what God says is worthy, then it's worthy. (laughs) Does that make sense? Probably not. But that's kind of all I had for admiration because to me, it kind of just made sense. And if I'm able to give it the highest esteem because God says it deserves the highest esteem, then I can. Then I can give it admiration. It is admirable in my eyes. And Paul also talks about moving on here. Sorry. Um, Paul also mentions what is excellent or praiseworthy Uh, listen to such things. And these, to me, were also self-explanatory, but I also think they can be brought out in a deeper way. So something that is excellent or something that is praiseworthy, also with, with the idea of something that is admirable, if it's what God says is excellent, if it's what God says is praiseworthy, then it should be excellent, then it should be praiseworthy. And it's not what I think is excellent, it should be what God thinks. And that goes for all of these words too, that it's not based on your opinion and your thought process because you, my friend, are irrelevant right now. And (laughs) it's more everything I do in life needs to go with God's will and with what God wants from me and for me. And that I think is a big key factor that you have to keep in mind when reading this passage or these two verses and any passage or two verses in the Bible but you have to go with God's will and not your will because in the end, his is better and yours will not work. (laughs) Um, And then going into my favorite part of these two verses is Paul says, whatever you have learned, received, heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And this I could go on a whole soapbox for, but I'll try and keep it short. Just, hmm. Don't know where I want to start. <laughs> Whatever you've learned about God from a sermon, from a podcast, from music, from the Bible, from hearing God's word, basically whatever character God is, whatever God is, and whatever you've learned about him, whatever knowledge you've received from him, whatever you have heard exactly from him, from his word, from people, the Holy Spirit talking through people to you, whatever you've seen him do in your life, put it into practice. And that goes back to, I want to be a Christian. I want to be Christ-like. We want to be like Christ and we want to love others. We want to obey God. We want to follow his will and his way. So we have to put all those things that we know about God and put them into practice. And the biggest thing that comes to my mind is when um, in Luke, I forget exactly what verses. Oh, wait, it's Luke 23, 34. I forgot it's my wallpaper on my phone. But basically, like the 
the verse says, love them anyways. And that I love that. I love that phrase so much. But the biggest thing, like I said, that comes from how do I act like Jesus is to just love, love people and love them no matter what they did, no matter what they are doing, no matter who they are, just to love. And I know that's not part of the verse and that's kind of off topic, but when we're thinking about how do I put this into practice, that's the biggest thing that I think we could start with to, that's the biggest thing that you know about God and about Jesus that they just love. And if we put that into practice, then that's the first step that we can take towards this. And then finally, the big reveal at the end of this, this verse is, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is what I hear this saying is when I put all these things into practice, when I trust in God and know, like I trust in his sovereignty, I trust in his goodness, I trust in him to complete his will and not my own, like not my own will, then he, his peace will be with us. We will have that peace of satisfaction. We will have that peace of knowledge, that peace of patience, we will have the peace of peace and we will just be peaceful and just resting in God's peace. <laughs> and this is something I need to hear, especially now, and just rest in his peace and his patience. My rest in his peace that will give me patience, that will give me wisdom, that will give me knowledge. And if not, he is still good and he is still God. He is still faithful. And we have to just trust his will. And when making decisions, going through these two verses, we have to trust that it will be his will and his way. And this is just a random thought I had, but I've seen quotes around Pinterest and wherever else that says, like, if you think that you can mess up God's plan, honey, you're not that powerful. And that's so true. And if you th are stressing over, I'm scared I'm going to make the wrong decision, I would suggest you put that fear into faith, obviously, but to just trust that God's God has you in the palm of his hand and he's going to guide you and you're not going to ruin his will. And what he wants to happen will happen. And that peace, you just need that peace and it'll all be okay. So that is how, whoa, that was not English. <laughs> So that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. And like I said in the beginning, um, I recommend that you guys do this devotional on your own and find own words that stick out to you that you really want to meditate on or find the definitions of because this is only my opinion and this is what the Holy Spirit worked through me and you guys are different. You guys are going through different things at different times and what I'm going through now isn't going to help everyone. It's not going to, it may not be exactly what you need to hear at this moment. Um, so I love this passage and this verse and I will keep running to it when going through a hard decision or just in the waiting and just need to know that whatever I do needs to be true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, and my biggest end goal in life is to just glorify God and everything and anything that I do. And I hope that after listening to this, um, that can be an inspiration for you guys to follow too and to do more research on and to just work through yourselves. So thank you again for listening and I hope you listen to the next episode.